You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Manifesto. Today as we wrap up uh, this third week as, uh, of the series Manifesto, I'm just reminded of the last two weeks that we've discussed uh, this three-part I guess goal or, 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 or a way that we can know as a community we're hitting the targets that we want to hit. We say, and we've been doing it for almost two, two years now, that we are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. In fact, if, if you believe that, if you're someone who's kind of pursued that kind of life, would you say it with me? Let's say it together, that we are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. That's the goal. It's the end goal. None of us are perfect at it yet or maybe ever, but because of God's grace, which is what we talked about last week, he looked at us, at us and he says, you've been washed. You've been uh, justified. You've been sanctified. If you remember that from last week, he said, I got you. In the first week, we talked about being God chasers. Last week, we talked about being grace shaped. And so today, as we come into the home stretch of this, uh, this, this three-part statement, we talk about being love agents. Love agents. A manifesto is a public declaration of what you're all about. If I'm going to write it down, I'm going to put it on Facebook, or I'm going to stand in front of a group of people, I'm going to say, this is who I am, this is where I stand, I won't be compromised, and I won't change my mind, this is my manifesto. And our manifesto as a, as a church is that together we are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. Love agents, uh, what, what is love? Love. Uh, it's something we talk a lot about, I think a lot of people have tried to define it. Uh, there are thousands of songs about Love. I went online this week and looked at the Billboard top charts, the top love songs of all time. And I think I found some pretty interesting things. Some of them are pretty deep. Uh, like one of them is, is a song that goes something like this. <clears throat> Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. That's deep. Because if you were ugly, like I don't think things wouldn't work out. But it's easy because you're beautiful, right? And you got this one. You got to join me. You lost that love and feel it. What? Oh, that love. The Righteous Brothers, man, they nailed it because you know love is all about a feeling, isn't it? It's something that apparently you can find and then lose again. Oops, I have my car keys and my love. They're all gone. They're gone with my cell phone and the glasses I lost in the fourth grade. I cannot find them anywhere. Um, that, that's a true story. Ask my dad about those glasses. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and, but it's a feeling when we try to define it, lost that love and feeling. I can kind of relate to that as a feeling. I think Queen nailed it. It's a crazy little thing called love. We do crazy stuff. I had a friend from college. This is not a lie. In fact, you probably know this guy. Like, it might be a girl for you or a neighbor or somebody that you know. This person moved across the nation, literally halfway across this continent, for love. Found this girl. We're in love. We've been talking on the phone for weeks. We're soulmates. So he moved there, and he's thinking they're going to, like, settle down and get married and, and have a family together. And he's picturing the next 75 years, and they're going to live to 100. And, um, and, like, when he got there, she broke up with him. Yeah, he moved there. Like, he got a house there. He got stuck in that place for, like, three years before he could come back home. It's a, it's a crazy little thing called love, and we do all kinds of crazy things for love. So I'm looking through the charts, and near the very top of the list is a classic. I'm not going to dare sing it. Uh, it goes something like this. Uh, it's, and I, ye, I, will always love you. You know that song? I dare not sing it because that's Whitney's song. Okay, like I hear other people try to sing that song, I'm like, mm-mm, stop, stop. <laughs> That is Whitney's song. Nobody else gets to sing that song. Um, and so what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. 
I love uh, the idea that love can, can be so deep and so uh, multifaceted. And it's this maze that we kind of work through emotionally and philosophically. But the idea of love, it, because it can take us to a million different places, that's why the songs and the movies and the books and the stories that we tell are so varied. Like you can't just look at, this is love, boom, I put a sticker on it. It's done. It has been labeled. It has been defined. It's difficult. And, and it, the songs try to define it. I think all of us kind of feel like, um, did anybody fall in love when they were 12 years old? Yeah, most of us fell in love when we were 12 years old. And most of us were wrong. Because love is not something that we can just jump into very easily. Here's the thing. This is where I'm going today. Um, you know, the Bible talks a lot about love. In fact, God has a lot to say about the subject. And so, though I love, I love what John Lennon and Paul McCartney had to say about love. And I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift. I would much rather look into the Bible and say, what is love according to God? Because it's apparently very important. We're all thinking about it. We're all talking about it. But what does God say that is? Uh, Tina, Tina Turner might have put it best. And what she say? What's love got to do got to do with it? Let's answer that question this morning. What does love have to do with it? Uh, it's hard to know what love is unless you can really get down and examine it. Like a lot of things. You got to get under the hood. You got to check it out and see it from the ground level. And when you, when you get down to examine something, you're looking for qualities of that thing that can help define it. And I found that if I can find out kind of the origin of something, I can learn more about it. I can, I can go to the source. I can find out, you know, go to who made that product and figure out why it was broken or, or who, who created this idea and go talk to them about that. And so if you can get to the source, if you can get to the origin of something, it's a lot easier to kind of uh, reverse engineer it and deconstruct it and understand what it is. And so I think that it's really cool that we can find the source of love when we look in the Bible. We're going to be uh, kind of jumping around in the New Testament today. The New Testament of the Bible is that last third of the Bible. Uh, and we're going to be in the book of John, the book of Romans, and the book of First John today. So if you've got a Bible and you want to flip first to First John chapter 4, we're going to be there, verse 8. Uh, we've got free Bibles under the chairs here. They're spread out. So if you don't own a Bible or the one that you have is maybe difficult to read because it's in an older version of English, uh, grab, grab one of these. Take them home. They're yours to have. Also, they're going to be on the screen behind me here. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, this is what we read. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If we were walking through the forest together, all of us, that'd be a weird little trek. We're walking through the forest and we find this creek of water. And we began to follow that thing upstream, up and up and up. And it might be miles and miles and miles. But eventually we'd come to a place. There'd be like a, a crack in a rock or a hole in the ground. And there would be a spring of water coming from inside the earth. And we would call that the source of that creek or of that brook or of that stream, right? That would be the source. And so when we're looking at this stream of love, it's everywhere. And we follow it backwards to its source. What do we learn about the source here in First John 4, 8? God is love. I love that it doesn't say that, that, that love is an attribute of God. God is loving. Or like a verb that God does. God loves. And he does those things. He is loving. And he does love. But I love this, this almost this verbal form. It's like he's, I mean, this noun form. God is love. Like bread is made of, of flour. And bacon is made of pig. God is love. It's his very nature. And that's why when we track through what God does in the Bible and throughout history, we, we, we can see that there's a motive behind uh, what love is. Uh, as we begin to understand what love is, we learn that it also helps us 
to understand what love is not. Because we look at a lot of things that I would call um, counterfeit love. There are a lot of things that we say are done from the motive of love, but then when you look at the fruit of that action, it's like, man, that, that, that wasn't love. I've met a many of an abused spouse who say, through a bruised face, he loves me. I know he loves me. And I say, no, that's not love. That's abuse. That's not love. I'm not saying he can't love you, but I'm saying that those actions are not love. And I've met a many, a, a couple who were dating and their relationship is not going the way that we see God teaches us our relationship needs to do. And, and we do foolish things in the name of a relationship. And what do we say? Love made me do it. Love made me do it. But I look at that and I go, that's not love. Love doesn't make us compromise our values or sacrifice our integrity or lose our moral compass. That's not what love does. That's counterfeit. That's not coming from the source. It might be something pretending to be love, but it's not love. And the reason we know it's not love is because it's not from God. Why? Because God is love. God is the source of love. And flowing out from him are the actions that we we call love. A lot of things are often mistaken for love. That are not, and this isn't really what uh, this talk is about. But I'll step into a slightly different realm. Uh, there's there's a word that probably would better define some of the things we call love. The word is lust. Lust it basically means I see that, I want that, I'll do whatever I can do to get that. Uh, and, 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 and it's a feeling, right? You feel it here. And I mean, we think of that in a sensual way, a relational way, lust. But I mean, you, you lust for power, you lust for money, right? And th- these are things I just I want it. I feel like I'm in love with this thing or this idea. But it's counterfeit because those are things that are not from God. Uh, and there are other counterfeits. They're the, the counterfeit of, of attraction or that warm, fuzzy feeling. You know, I feel in love right now. There's a, there's a counterfeit of manipulation. Like it's hiding behind the guise of manipulation. One person is just doing for you, doing for you, doing for you, doing for you. And the reality is that their motivation is actually because they want you to do for them. Have you been there? And like you think you love them and it's a bait and switch. And so knowing what God love is, knowing, knowing what love is, is, it helps us to know what love is not. Right? So you see that point. So God is love. I want to say this because maybe that's hard for some of us to swallow. When we look at the world around us, you turn on the evening news or you just kind of talk with your friends. We see a lot of bad stuff in the world. And the question that I ask all the time, this isn't just you, it's me. It's, man, if God is loving, then how is this allowed to happen? Like, why doesn't God just do something about this? It's a struggle, right? It's a struggle we battle with. And I, want, I can't answer everyone's specific question from this stage. And maybe we can have other conversations and you can to work through it. But there are two kind of things that have really helped me come to terms with that question in, in understanding God's love. And one is this. The first one is this, that uh, because when God created us and he loved us, he said, I'm going to give you a gift. And that gift, outside of just my love, my, the gift is the ability to make choices. I love you and I'm going to give you the ability to make choices. God didn't create us as robots that were mindless and yes, faster and all this. He said, you go out and you make choices. Now, your choice can be A, to honor me and live for me and seek me and find me and all that stuff. That's choice A. The other choice, completely clear option is you can choose to disobey me. You can choose to dishonor me. You can choose to dis, to go against me. And unfortunately, a lot of people choose door number two. They say, I'm going to, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do my thing. Either it's because they deliberately choose it or because through a series of events, they just live in a family where they weren't brought up knowing about God. But at some point, someone made the decision. 
to turn their back on God. And so when you've got this thing happening, God says, I give you choice. And then every, we know this because we all drive cars and use the brake pedal. That choices have consequences, right? And some of those consequences, for example, are all the bad stuff that happens in the world. How can a loving God allow bad stuff to happen in the world? Well, it's actually a result of his love for us. He gave us the ability to choose. And we ask, well, why doesn't God just dive in and save us from all this? Like, what is it? Why doesn't he just stop and put his hand in? And my question, really, this is a, a, a serious conversation, and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to be very respectful to, to anyone in the room who has this doubt, because I've had the same doubt. Uh, the question we have is, why doesn't God just stop bad things from happening? And my question is, well, where would you draw the line? D- does God want to, does he need to stop us from stubbing our toe every single time? Does he need to stop us from getting the toothpaste that's going to give us the funky breath and funny colored teeth? Like, like, where does he draw the line? And, of course, it needs to be somewhere before children innocently dying, right? Like, <laughs> there's got to be somewhere, but where does he draw the line? And so this is where I've come to terms with it. If there is a God, and I think there's ample evidence to prove that there is, then maybe we leave it up to him where he draws the line. And just have to live with that. And that's just kind of, that's kind of what faith is, Right? That's what it is. You just say, I don't understand everything, but I know there's a God and I know that he does love us. Uh, I said there were two things that kind of helped me out of this slump. The first one is knowing that God gave us choice, but the second one's a lot more powerful. That God has provided a way out. Many, many ways out. The greatest expression of God's love ever is that he became a human being and came to earth. We talked about that in week one and week two, that he came to earth and he gave of himself. The Bible says that we should love because God first loved us. And that's how he did it. He gave him himself. And through that avenue, man, he's created so many paths so that we can get away from the mess of this world. But what I do know is this, that God is love. He's a source of love. He is love. And the actions that come from him are love. Uh, and not only is God the source of love, here's a second little kind of point that gets us, gets us in the right ballpark. Not only is he the source of love, but he is generous with his love. Um, I don't know when I first met this girl, but probably in elementary school Sometime, uh, I came to know her by the fifth grade as someone that in my mind, I referred to her as the pencil girl. Uh, because this girl always at school, she always had like 40 pencils. Like the pencil fairy came to visit her every night and they were freshly sharpened. And it wasn't just like those yellow number two pencils with the pink away. No, it was the cool, like cool color ones with the colorful erasers and those little squishy grips. You know what I mean? And so she was a pencil girl. And, and the thing was that she had all the pencils. And so uh, anyone who didn't have a pencil could just go, hey, can I borrow a pencil? Like, you remember that? Uh, and see, so she was a pencil girl. Me... I was the other kid. I was the kid who always lost my pencil. <laughs> like, every day my mom was like, Chris, I just bought you 12 pencils yesterday. I know, mom, but I don't know where they are. And so, and so, often my mom would send me to school. Like, I, I don't want to go on record saying my mom sent me to school unprepared. But she sent me prepared. I just lost all the stuff that she prepared me with. So I'd get there and I'd go to Pencil Girl and I'd say, hey, uh, can I borrow a pencil? Here's what I love about Pencil Girl. She always gave me a pencil. Even though, like, she's like, I didn't I just give you a pencil like 10 minutes ago? Yeah, I don't know what happened. I can't find. Um, she'd give me another pencil. I can't think of a single time when Pencil Girl ever didn't give me a pencil. Um, now, here's the thing. She was the source of pencils, but she was also very generous with her pencils. Stick with me here. God is the source of love, and he gives it out freely. He's just dumping love out. The word the Bible uses, he pours his love out. I want to look at a verse of scripture. It's from Romans chapter 5. I said we would be in, uh, in a couple different places in the Bible. Romans is a book written by a guy named Paul. We talk about him a lot. He was a guy who had spent a lot of counterfeit mo- love in his life. He thought he was doing good things, but in reality, they were not coming from God. 
And so as he met Jesus and it changed his entire life, he ends up writing most of the New Testament. And this is what he says. He's talking about the hope that we have in God because of Jesus. So this hope, verse 5, Romans 5, 5. It says in this hope that we just talked about, the hope doesn't put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God's love has been poured out into our heart through the Holy Spirit. Like God's Spirit comes into our life when we accept Him. When we go back to week one and say, I want to be a God chaser. When we go to week two and say, I want to be shaped by your grace. He comes in and says, my Spirit pours my love into you. Like not a trickle, not a little drip, 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 because you can't find the monkey wrench and that sink is just driving you crazy. But he pours his love. Many times throughout the New Testament of the Bible, uh, when it talks about God's love, the word poured is used. And I love that because something happens to us. You ever had a glass that you began to pour from a bigger container into? What happens if you continue to pour after the glass is all the way at the top full? It overflows. As we seek to be love agents, what happens is this really cool thing. God, who is the source of love, pours his love into us. And that love begins to do something inside of us. It begins to heal us. It begins to make us whole. Jesus calls himself the living water that anyone who drinks from it will never be thirsty again. And that's talking about spiritual thirst. But what happens is as his big vessel begins to pour into our smaller vessels, not only do we heal on the inside, but we have the opportunity to overflow. To be love agents. To take his love and allow it to pour into the lives liberally and generously of people around us. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I could walk up to someone and, and take a, a little wallet out of my pocket and flash it in front of them and say, ma'am, I'm from the FBI. Got to ask you a few questions. Uh, where were you the night of June 16th? Got some questions. I got my black jacket on, black sunglasses, little earpiece. I'm ready to go. I'm with the FBI. And she goes, I'm sorry, uh, who are you? I'm like, uh, that's uh, Agent Woolard from the FBI, ma'am. Can I see your card again? Now, here, here's the reality. If I pull my card out, it's not a FBI card because I'm not an FBI agent at all. Not even close. Like, I don't even know I can pass the test. And I get in there and, and I pull out the card. And it's really like my wife's Starbucks gold card. <laughs> and my wife is like, I was looking for that. And I'm like, yeah, I was trying to play FBI. And here's the thing. I do not have the authority to act as the FBI I don't know. I could do some good things like I could get you a discount on a latte, but I cannot do FBI stuff. You know why? Because FBI is not being given to me to use the analogy like I have to have FBI poured into me. I would need to go to the proper training and 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 and, and be educated and have the right rank and to be able to be a field agent and go and investigate somebody, interrogate somebody like you have to have a certain position. God, when he embraces us in his grace and pours his love into us, man. He empowers us and commissions us with the authority to go and overflow into the world. You following that? Together we are love agents. That's what a love agent is. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants to transform us from who we are. Someone that is new. Not who we used to be, but who we can be through him. And use us as his agent of love in the world. He's the source of love and he's generous with that love. And so what we're going to do now, we looked at Romans 5, 5. Is this still up there? Check this out. We're going to read uh, the next verse. And so just follow us as soon as I get to the end of it. Go back to 5, and I want to read both of them. It says, and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's see how he poured it out. You see, at just the right time, 
when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. How did God pour his love into us? He sacrificed himself. He said, here, here's me. Here's me. Have me. Take me. I came to serve you so that you could be made whole. I love that he sets that example. He sets the bar. The greatest leaders are the leaders who lead by example. And Jesus, the living water, says, I'm pouring out. I'm pouring out. Now go pour out. God's love pours into us. And since he's the source, he never runs out. See, sometimes we run into things that make us feel good. But what's, 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 what's a problem with that is those things, they run out. The money runs out. The friendship goes sour. The great job isn't as great anymore when there's new management. The new neighborhood becomes an old neighborhood. Right? And those things, they run out. But God, he is the source. And he never runs out. And because of that, we are then able to continue to be filled and to overflow. And what happens uh, in, in, in Jesus' life as he, as he is coming and he's teaching his disciples about what it means to change the world through this message of God loves you. He wants to connect with you. He wants to give you his grace. Like as he's talking about all that to his followers, when we read about this in the New Testament of the Bible, he sits down one last time before this ultimate act of love, before he lays down his own life for all of mankind. He sits down with him for one final meal. And while he's sitting at that meal, he's looking around the table and he's teaching them several different things. But he stops. And in John, the Gospel of John, not 1 John, but just regular John, closer to the beginning of the New Testament. John chapter 13, verse 34. This is what Jesus tells his disciples and in turn he tells us. He says, listen, a new command I give you. This is the command. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, by your love... Everyone will know that you're my disciples. The word disciple means you're my follower. By this, by your love, everyone will know that you're following me if you love one another. There's this old hymn that a lot of us used to sing. And, uh, and one of, the, one of the, the phrases was, and they'll know we are Christians by our what? By our love. I was talking with some of the volunteers this morning. And, uh, you know, when you go to Target and you want to look for an employee, you look for somebody in a red shirt, Right? And you go to Walmart, you're looking for somebody in a blue shirt. Like, you, you want to know that they are employees by the color of their shirt. People in the world around us should know that we are Christ followers because of the way that we love. Like, they're not just accidentally loving. They're not just loving when it's convenient. They're not just not loving their people and their clan. No, they're just, they're just overflowing with love. It's in everything that they do. It's in the way that they speak. It's in the way that they, they look with their eyes. It's the way that they drive. It's the way that they act at work. It's the way that they spend their money. It's the way that they spend their time. It's the way that they raise their kids. It's the way they treat their spouse. And they will know that you're my disciple by the way that you love. I'm not saying that a non-Christian isn't capable of love. Uh, someone who isn't, you know, trying to follow Jesus. I, but what I'm saying is that if they are loving, it's not of their own invention. It's God's. It's God's. It's something that he created. It's something that he empowers all humans to do. But it's something that if we're following Jesus, we should do it best. They will know we are Christians by our love. In fact, today, I want to just say, like, if you're here today, you wouldn't identify yourself as a Christian. Maybe this is your first time in church or fifth time in church or whatever, like Aaron was saying earlier. Um, I'm really glad you're here. I'm pumped that you're here. I want you to come back, just hang out with us because I just like friends. It's fun. Uh, but this is another thing. I want you to totally call us out. <laughs> You're supposed to be Christians by your love. Uh, I don't feel like you're very loving. <laughs> Do it. 
do it. Because I think a lot of times when the world sees Christianity, what they see is a bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of bigots, a bunch of people who are trying to draw lines in the sand and say, cross this so I can call you bad. That's not God's way. God's way is grace and God's way is love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Um, so as I was uh, thinking about the way that we should love the world, I came across this. I, I've shared this here before. I came across this uh, this kind of collection of writings a friend of mine has been doing. Uh, he said, one day I want to write a book called The Alphabet Book of People God Loves. And take every letter of the alphabet and, and list all the types of people God loves alphabetically. And so he, I asked him to send me a couple of them. So he sent me like a short ex- excerpt from just the first three letters of the alphabet. Check this out. When we talk about the people that God loves, listen to this list that this guy made. I love it. Uh, it starts with A. All right. Today has been brought to you by the letter A so far. God loves artists. God loves astronauts. He loves aerospace engineers. God loves accountants and accordion players and airplane pilots and athletes. He loves American Idol candidates. God loves awkward people, a-holes, assertive people, (laughs) aggressive people, antisocial people, astrologers, astronomers, animal rights activists, adulterers, abusers, abortionists, and people who get abortions, alcoholics, atheists, all kinds of addicts, and even Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's A. B, God loves babies and boys and bankers and ballerinas, Bible readers, biology teachers, bird watchers, bus drivers, bookworms, bachelors, botanists, bowlers, baby boomers, beekeepers, blondes, brunettes, people with blue hair. God loves bosses and bag ladies and bartenders, brats, Baptists, and Buddhists. God loves the beat up, the burnt out, Beyonce, Barry Bonds, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama. B. C, God loves people who are cute, compassionate, even cruel. He loves the Caucasians and the Cubans and the Czechoslovakians, Californians, Cambodians, cowboys, cooks, celebrities, Cajuns, I guarantee, cops, cheerleaders, clowns, cheapskates, cowards, comedians, Catholics, charismatics, congregationalists, congressmen, conscientious objectors, crooks, creeps, cheaters, charlatans, conceited, crystal meth addicts, junkies, crystal meth junkies, cat lovers, and Conan O'Brien. And I'm going to stop at C, but man, it, listen, God loves you. In fact, this, if this is your first time in church, or if this is your thousandth time in church, if you don't leave today without hearing just one thing, this is what I want you to hear. God loves you. We beat ourselves up because we don't feel good enough. Guess what? It's because we're not. But I don't love my kids because they're good enough. I love them because they're my kids. And I'm a loving father, and that's how God feels about us. Every one of us. And what if we could go out and tell the world, not just that there are some good Christians in the world, but that God loves you, and he loved you enough to give of himself. He set the bar for love. It it was 100 A.D., 100 years after the year zero, all right? 100 A.D., and there were roughly 25,000 Christians in the whole world. That's the population of a medium-sized city, right? 125,000 Christians in the whole world. Over the next 200 years, uh, there was a series of persecutions against Christians by the Roman government for a variety of reasons. And so eventually the Romans uh, make Christianity an illegal religion. It's an illegal religion. That ban on Christianity lasts about 200 years. Began 2,500 Christians. By 311 AD, the Emperor Galerius, he finally ended the persecution on the Christians in the empire. Now, so the ban has been lifted. And in the years between in that 200 years, there were no church buildings. There wasn't even an official Bible. No Christian radio stations. No Christian TV channels or radio. There were not a single movie uh, starring Kirk Cameron. Like no Christian movies. 
No Christian uh, t-shirts, no mass media, no Facebook, no K-Love, okay? And you would think that in that 200 years, the number of 25,000 Christians would have at least hurt, suffered, dwindled. But do you know what happened to Christianity in that 200 years? Christianity grew from 25,000 to over 20 million. 1949, Mao Zedong outlawed Christianity in China. He kicked out all the missionaries. He confiscated church property. He killed the pastor of every church. And then he made the secondary leader of every church go to prison just to make his statement. Christianity is illegal and anyone who stands up against me will be persecuted. At this time, there were about 2 million known Christians in China. 1949. Well, these hostile conditions uh, continued for about 27 years until 1976 when finally the ban on Christianity was lifted. What happened to Christianity in China over that 27-year period? You would think that it would have fallen down. You would think that the numbers would have dwindled. People around the world thought that Christianity might be dead in China. They weren't allowed to meet publicly. They weren't allowed to profess their faith. Anyone that found out that you were a Christian, especially a leader who was teaching, you would be put in jail or maybe killed. So what happened? Christianity grew from 2 million to 60 million in China during that 27-year period. You know why Christianity grew like that despite unthinkable circumstances? It's because God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And he so loved the world that he sent love agents. People who said, listen, I got to overflow. I'm full. I got to give some to you. And they wouldn't stop. Today we have the advantage of having... Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, and the overflowing stream of God's love. i got to tell you something. Guess what? God has called me and you to the city of Wilmington, to Hampstead, to Monkey Junction, to Porter's Neck, to Leland, to Rocky Point, Castle Hain, Carolina Beach, up to Jacksonville, Myrtle Beach. That's who he's called you to, to overflow to. Downtown, Mayfair, to the UNCW campus. He's got love agents all over the city. And don't be, don't be uh, confused in thinking that this group of people is the only group of love agents that God, God's got on duty in Wilmington. Because there are churches all over this city right now, full of them. And what would it look like if a love revolution began? In fact, I believe it already has. I believe that you are part of it. As I meet with other ministers and preachers and pastors around the city, what I hear are stories of groups of people like Venture Church who are saying, we are behind this idea that God loves us so much that we've got to tell somebody. And they're going into the dark corners, the, dark, uh, the, the hurting families, and the places where there's poverty and the places where there's hunger. And they're saying, we're going to serve, we're going to love. But here's the trick. Sharing God's love doesn't just happen. They just accidentally like, whoops, I guess I accidentally love somebody for Jesus today. Like, maybe, maybe occasionally, like maybe, you, you know, you, you break down, your, 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 a car breaks down in front of you and you're stuck in a parking lot and like you're boxed in unless they get to leave and you're like, hey man, you want to jump? Because I got to get out of here. <laughs> like, I love that guy today. Well, yeah, that was really nice of you. But you know what has to happen? Intentional, strategic love. We've got to go out of our way to love people. And so that's why tomorrow starts Love Agent Week. 
It's the second time we've done it. We did it last year for the first time. We're doing it again starting tomorrow. Seven days of intentionally and strategically loving people. In your cards, I talked about it earlier this morning, there are seven different challenges. Tomorrow, for example, is love your neighbor day. What are you going to do for your neighbors just to show them some love? I'm not talking about bang on their door and hit them with a Bible in the face and walk away. That ain't going to go far. You might just want to start by baking them some brownies. But they're not going to bake themselves. In fact, their odds are you don't have a box of brownie mix in your pantry right now. You might need to actually go buy food line and pick some up, right? That's strategic love. You're going to mow their grass. Maybe you need to get some gas in your lawnmower. Like I'm talking about, let's plan ahead to love people. Tuesday is Love a Hero Day. And, and in that, you got the description on loveagent.com. But Love a Hero Day is like, like, look at people in our city, firefighters and police officers and the person that delivers your mail or picks up your garbage or just someone, a teacher in your kid's school, someone that you're like, that's their hero in our city. They're a hero in my life. It might be a foster care parent that you maybe grew up under or that you just know something. You're a hero and I need to love them. And so, and so we're going to love them, love a hero, but you got to strategically love them. Don't just call them on your lunch, be like, hey, at church, we're doing this thing. So I thought I'd say thanks. Yeah, cool. Bye. No, like, Go out of your way to love them. And on down the list it goes. And on the sheet, there's, there's something for every single day of the week. Next Sunday is going to be how we do it together. Because our manifesto is together we are God-chasing, grace-shaped, love agents. We've got to do it on our own as well. But together we're stronger. And so together we're going to be love agents. Next Sunday we're going to have Serve Together Sunday. We're going to leave the walls behind and we're going to not come in this building and we're going to go out into the community and serve. I told you earlier there are seven opportunities to serve. I love them, and I don't have them all up here with me, but I'll tell you a couple of them. Uh, one of them is going into a nursing home and working with some of the residents there and just showing some love, playing bingo with them, playing a board game or cards, or just sitting and listening to them talk about the war because they remember it. I don't know. That's I, uh, So often I find people who just are from that World War II or post-war era, and they just want to talk about how times were different. It's awesome. Just go and love them. And look, and while you're there, if you get a chance, say a prayer with them. Who knows the impact that you can begin if all you're beginning to do is begin to pour out the love that's been poured into you. Another project, there's two of them like this. We have other mobile churches in town, lots of them, meeting in schools, meeting in different places. We have two of those churches that we're going to give volunteers for. Uh, this also doesn't just happen. This set up stuff, and every week we set up a stage and chairs in the kids' area. We clean up stuff from the school. Uh, we make the coffee, the whole hospitality area. Well, there are other churches in town doing similar stuff. And those of you who serve on teams, what if you said... I'm going to go and serve with one of those churches. Because our churches, we're leaving the walls behind. And I've got the morning to do. Like, do that. Do it on your own. Contact somebody. We've got two churches in the back that you can sign up for. Uh, we've got two projects for individuals. We've got... Um We've got a lady who needs some yard work done. And this is a lady who is a widow and she's part of our church. And that's what the, the church calls us to do is, is love orphans and widows. And man, what an awesome opportunity to get to serve somebody. And there's some yard work that needs to be done, a big bush that needs to be cut down. And some other things. Maybe you need to sign up for that because that's where you want to use your hands. We've got another thing that's a little more inside domestic. domestic. There's, a, there's a, a, a disabled gentleman who needs some help in his house just doing some cleaning. We're talking vacuum the floor, clean the bathroom, wash some dishes, clean the, the kitchen, whatever. And so we've got someone, an individual who's in charge of that project, and you can sign up for that job. Uh, which one I missed? The fire department. We've got fire station number four. Uh, those guys serve our city every day. They put their lives on the line. And we're going to have a group of people who goes out and, and makes breakfast for them on Sunday. And then just going to clean up the firehouse a little bit. We've already contacted all these people. They know we're coming. They're excited. And this is a chance for us to be love agents together, just to kind of prime the pump of God's love as we pour it out into the city around us. Here's my challenge for you this morning. Before you leave today, I want you to decide how you're going to strategically love somebody. And the whole scope is there for you. You might someone, be someone here this morning who's just like, I'm just getting started with this church thing. I don't know if I want to jump in with all this crazy stuff right now. But I think I could love my neighbor tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm just going to do it. 
And so maybe you just pick one of the projects next week and do it. Or you say, I'm going to do all the daily challenges on Love Agent Week, and I'm going to sign up for a project on Sunday. Will you please, if you're that person, before you leave today, head to that back table. There's a slip of paper. There's two sides on it. One says for you. One says for us. Uh, they're color-coded. It's self-explanatory. We'll have a volunteer back there, too. But tear off the slip that you want that's perforated in the middle. Keep one in your pocket and put one in the jar. We'll have a team leader call you and say, hey, you signed up to do the yard work? Awesome. Glad. Uh, we got we got some needs. You got a shovel or whatever. And bring it. We'll talk about those things when you get a call. But don't leave today without saying, I'm going to strategically love. I'm going to be a love agent. I'm going to shine God's light into dark places by simply loving. You know, God calls us to love. But he's not willing to do anything he didn't do first. I told you earlier another verse from the book of 1 John. It says, we should love others because God first loved us. As you let this challenge settle into our heart. I want to invite us all to a time of reflection and communion. We're going to wrap up our service today just celebrating what Jesus did by showing his love. And so uh, in just a second, some of the guys are going to come on stage to play some music. Uh, We're just going to have a few minutes of just quiet reflection in your seat. And during that time, if you're someone who also does communion, uh, you can stand up and go to the tables on the outside. We have four stations, two in the front, two in the back. A little cup of juice that represents Jesus' blood that was poured as a sign of his love. And a little cracker that represents his body that was broken. And we can celebrate because he didn't stay dead. He defeated death. He rose from the grave so that we could have life to share with other people. I want to pray for you this morning. And then we'll do communion and reflection together. Let's pray. God, your love is good. I pray that we can be agents of it. That we can share it with the world around us. We can not just take uh, the lessons we learn on a Sunday morning or a small group and tuck it away in our little three-ring trapper keeper for later and never look at it again. But instead that we, um, man, we just say, use me. Use me where I am. Lord, you use me, I'm a broken man and and I, I failed. But you use me to get up and talk and share with people and I, I pray that everyone in this room can say just use me Lord use me whatever skills and passions they have Lord help us to be a community that is chasing you being shaped by your grace and then pouring your love out we love you so much and we thank you for setting the bar by sending Jesus we pray in his name Amen